just a question. We're going to try to solve one problem today together this morning. We're just trying to answer one question. Uh, what do Walt Disney and the Apostle Paul have in common? What do Walt Disney and the Apostle Paul have in common? Uh, the analogy breaks down real fast, so don't, I'm not trying to say Paul was going to build a streaming service. and I'm not trying to go there. Allegedly, uh, Walt died before Walt Disney World opened. Not allegedly, that happened. And at uh, the opening of the park, people were walking around, and someone replied, man... If only Walt were here to see this. He would have loved this. To which Michael Vance, one of the executives, says, he did see it. That's why it's here. He did see it. That's why it's here. The ability to see something that's not yet a reality is about all that the Apostle Paul and Walt Disney had in common, all right? Breaks down real fast, okay? Don't be like, I didn't like Inside Out, and Greg said Paul wrote that. It's a great movie, but no, we're not going there. Uh, so, Paul saw something that wasn't yet a reality and said, I'm going to give my life to making that a reality. He could see something we couldn't yet. And the question that we're just going to unpack today is, well, what was that? What did he see? What was he trying to build? And how do we experience that? And it's one of those things that really does sound too good to be true. And so what I ask of you before we unpack the thing that Paul saw, I'm going to ask you to watch this sermon like you would watch WWE. Uh, WWE is one of the biggest sports out there, okay? Like, it's the most streams, most views. It's humongous. And you are probably a lot like me, and we're like, what? Why? Why do people watch that? Don't they know it's fake? It's called suspended disbelief. Suspended disbelief. So you know it's not real, but for a half hour, however long wrestling matches are, you say, you know what? I'm not going to let myself nitpick this. I'm just going to experience this. I'm going to suspend my disbelief. This morning, I want to invite you to suspend disbelief. To say, okay, I don't, I don't think what you're describing can actually happen. But I'm going to suspend that. I'm, for the next half hour, half, 31 minutes, I'm going to allow myself to say, okay, what if... What if what you're talking about, what Paul saw, what if that could become a reality? Because you know what? This ain't my first run-in with a church. I've been to church before. And they did not, they did not live like what you're describing. And I just want to say, I hear that. I hear that. And we're going to hold that with open hands this morning and say that is a reality. But for the next 31 minutes and 27 seconds, 30 minutes and 51 seconds, we're going to suspend disbelief. We're going to say, okay, I'm willing to, I'll, I'll hear you out. I'll go with you. Here's Paul's vision for a church. The passage we're looking at this morning in the book of Philippians, I don't think is just the thesis statement for the book of Philippians. I don't think it is that. It's not just that. I think it is Paul's Disney World. 
I think it is what he saw for a future that did not yet exist. The New Testament was written and there wasn't a church on every corner. That wasn't the goal. There was, this was this, this fledgling Jesus community that was like spreading throughout the world. It didn't yet exist. And Paul said, I see something that could be and it's worth giving your life to. You can't build anything meaningful without commitment. But we want to be really careful what we commit ourselves to. Are we giving our lives to something that's just going to disappoint us? Are we giving our lives to something that, yeah, you know, I hear you say this, is, this church thing has, it's got big dreams, right? But like, let's be real. Things start and putter. All right? And I've done a lot of... Can this really be sustained? All right? So we're going to suspend disbelief, and we're going to hear Paul's vision for the church. It's in Philippians 1, and here's what I think Paul says his vision for the church is. It's a high hesed people creating belonging and bearing fruit that magnifies Jesus. What? High hesed people creating belonging and bearing fruit that magnifies Jesus. I don't know what that means. I will, I'm so glad you're sitting in this room with me today. We're going to unpack this statement. We're going to unpack what Paul saw. And it matters that we do this because we have been disappointed before. Some of us carry hurt from church, past church experiences. And some of us are just hanging out on the fringes. Let's see how this plays out. Then I'll give my life to it. And the invitation from Paul is to say this. When people surrender to love, that's what hesed is. When people have high hesed, high love, a high bond, that creates belonging, a spot at the table for people who didn't have a spot. And then when we're people who love each other and there's belonging, that bears fruit naturally. Where a watching world says, that's what God's like? That's Paul's Disney World. And for 30, 28 minutes and 2 seconds, we are going to unpack what that looks like. How can we really experience high hesed people creating belonging and bearing fruit that magnifies Jesus? Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Philippians. We're going to be in Philippians 1. Verses 7 through 11. Philippians 1, 7 through 11. And if you would, please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Philippians 1, 7 through 11. Your Apple Watch will think you're working out. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. Whether I'm in chains or... I'm defending and confirming the gospel. All of you are partners in God's grace with me. God is my witness. How I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. Here's what I'm asking would happen. Here's the thing I'd love to see. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, 
filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Father, Father, it's no mistake that we are here in this room together this morning. God, I pray that we would catch Paul's vision, what he saw of communities, of people, high hesed, high love people who welcome strangers, who create belonging, and then in doing so, that bears fruit. Things get done that the watching world says, that's what Jesus is like? God, we want to we see that, Lord. God, help us, to, help us to be honest about our skepticism, and Lord, help us to, as we're honest, help us to catch what it is Paul saw. I ask all these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. We are people who love progress. We love growth. If we're not growing, we're really struggling and suffering. And just imagine with me, like, I don't know about you. Okay, I just, I don't make the rules, okay? I didn't come up with this. I don't make the rules. But 10 years from now, that's going to happen. 10 years are going to go by. You know, I never thought, I never thought, like, oh, I'll be 30 one day. And all of a sudden, I'm 30. It's like, whoa, right? You can't stop the passage of time, all right? So 10 years are going to go by, all right? Whether you like it or not, whether you're ready or not, you're going to wake up one day, and if you're 45, you're going to be 55, okay? 10 years go by. Now, I want you to imagine there are two possible doors to your future. Door number one, door number two. Door number one, 10 years from now. You have experienced no change. You are in exactly the same situation you are in right now. The same things that frustrate you, frustrate you. The same things that overwhelm you, overwhelm you. You know, you have a challenging relationship with your father. He talks to you in ways that are humiliating. And he does it in front of your kids, his grandkids. Why do you have this dead-end job? You know, why do you have all these subscriptions every month? That's a waste of money. You know, in my day, we didn't have 10 subscriptions for all these TV channels. You know, you're not good with money. Ah, oh, you're just like, you know, you're just like your uncle. Ah, in front of your kids. It frustrates you. It humiliates you. You know you should say something, but dad's not going to like it. So you don't. Then you live in this frustration of, oh, I don't like this. Oh, I should have said something. Then you're just frustrated with yourself. Ten years go by, you're in that same boat. Here's another ten years, though. Another door. And in this door, 10 years has gone by, and you've learned to establish boundaries. So it's Thanksgiving. Dad says to you, oh, you know who else does, behaves like that? Bozo the clown. You're like, Dad, I don't like it when you talk to me like that. That's hurtful. You know, and we can't control circumstances. We can't control outcomes. Dad reacts exactly how you thought he would. But you're like, wow, man, there's growth. I have integrity. I stepped out. And you can work on the relationship. But there's progress in one side, and the other side, things are exactly the same. I'm not a betting person, but I'd be willing to bet. If you were asked people, which door would you like? More people would lean toward the progress door. We're like sharks. If we're not moving, we die. We want to grow. And that's what Paul is describing. And the word we've used for this series is transformation. Identity and belonging creates transformation. And the why we need you to spend, suspend disbelief is because we don't really think people can change. A pastor friend of mine was speaking at a funeral, 
And I want everybody to know this. Since I've started doing lots of funerals, I just want everyone to know this. It is your funeral. It's your party. Do what you want. Okay? That is my philosophy on funerals. If you want to play a crazy song at your funeral, it's your funeral. We'll play the crazy song. So my pastor friend, he's like, hey, what song do you guys want at your funeral? And you know what the person, the deceased wanted? They made a request. Freebird. It's your party. We'll play Freebird. But what was challenging, what was challenging for my pastor friend was that he had to come up. I don't know if you remember how Freebird ends. I don't know when the last time you heard the 1970s rock ballad Freebird. Uh, but Freebird ends by saying, I can't change, I can't change, I can't change. Lord knows, I can't change, I can't change, I can't change. My pastor friend had to get up and go, hello, well, yeah, everything you just heard, not true. But we believe that. We're like, well, maybe I can experience like little bits of change, but transformation. You're saying angry people can be peaceful people? You're saying really selfish jerks can become generous, tender-hearted people? I will believe that when I see that. But that's Paul's vision for church. Is that high Hesed people create belonging which transforms everything. When we belong, we experience a transformation that we could have never otherwise. And all that magnifies Helps us feel the weight of Jesus. Where do I get that? Look with me at verse 9. Uh, I'm going to read to you the unauthorized Craig Kidder translation of this passage. Okay? So, uh, Philippians 1.9, uh, we know that this is a third-class conditional statement. We do? What that means is that this is, Paul is saying, this is my prayer, and then the grammar points out he's talking about something that is not yet a reality. So he's saying, I really want this for you. This is my heart. This is my desire. What's his desire? I'm going to read my translation. This is my prayer, that your joyful, secure attachments may abound more and more. This is my prayer, that you would bond with each other. This is my prayer, that you would give yourselves to each other as a community. My translation says that. My translation says love. Well, just like in tennis, love means nothing. We throw that word around all the time. I throw that word around all the time. And there's no judgment there, but look, I love, I love pizza tree. Love pizza tree. All right? I also love Jet, Bowie, and Shepard. I love extra innings in baseball in October. I also really love watching people give themselves away to Jesus. Right? What? What's it? What? Uh, how do I love pizza and I love people? That's fine, but that's confusing. So we talk about love, like, hey, we're supposed to be a community of love, right? Love each other. By this, all people will know you're my disciples if you love one another. And we're just like, okay, love. Yeah, that's important. Got it. Thanks. We're missing the weight of what he said. And, the, and the, this idea, so this is my prayer, that your blank may abound. The Greek word there is agape. 
You may have heard it. Some people say like agape. And there's all kinds of terrible, terrible theology and linguistics around this word. Like it's like a magical word. Like it's, it means Christian love and blah, blah. And, what I, a lot is not known about that word, but all that probably you've heard about agape is not great. Here's what we do know about the word agape, though. It was very rarely used in antiquity. So there's, there's the New Testament right here. And before the New Testament, very rarely used. After the New Testament, usage spikes. Nobody's there. We have it's really sparsely used. We have one example of a Greek uh, general. They said that he was full of agape, and scholars think that that doesn't mean he was full of love. It means he was highly esteemed. So there's a lot of mystery. What does this word mean that the church kind of really took ownership of, and it was like an identity shaping word? Well, what many scholars think is that they were taking the the Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew, and they're taking this idea that was central for the Old Testament. Hesed. And they're applying it to the church communities. We're supposed to be high Hesed people. What's Hesed? It's a very tricky word to translate. There's no one word that really fits the definition. But Hesed, I, I really, we want to own this word because it's so beautiful. It, as a verb, it means something like to move towards someone with zeal. It means to attach yourself. It's also used in relationships where the strong care for the weak. That relationship is called a hesed relationship, where a needy person gets their needs met, and the, that process is called hesed. Hesed. That's what Paul has in mind here. He's thinking about the whole Hebrew Bible and saying, my prayer, my Disney world, what I see for these church communities is high hesed communities. People where our identity is being shaped by the bonds that we make with each other. See, you, for a lot of us, we have real friends and we have deal friends. All right, our real friends are just those people. We have common interests. We love being around them. They're just people, oh, I don't even care what we do. We just want to be together. Then we have deal friends, which you absolutely need deal friends, right? If, if I'm locked out of my car and I call a locksmith and he comes and I'm like, hey, I don't care about this locked car. I just want to have a relationship with you. I just want to be friends. I don't care about the car. Let's just be friends. And he's going to be, what? This is, a, this is a weird call. We need to have relationships with people that are like, hey, look, like we, we're coming around a thing. And we'll call those deal friends. And that's not bad. It's not bad at all to have friends where it's like, hey, we work together. We're, we're coming around a common project. So that project is kind of the basis of our relationships. But that's also not an attachment. It's not an attachment. With a, if we think back to the locksmith, if he were to unlock my car, I'm not like, man, I love you. This is great. No, he unlocked my car. I gave him money. It's about me having an unlocked car and him having money. That's about a deal. Church is supposed to be where we just love people for the relationship's sake. That's hesed. That's the type of relationship God has with his people. I love you just because. And we experience transformation when we crank the hesed up. When we say we're a community of people who are just working on being, not doing, and what are we trying to be? High love people. That the people who come into our path, we're not trying to get things from them, we just want to know them. Because we trust that the relationship will, will create crazy transformation and difference. 
when we can look out and say, these are my people, then we, then we can say, well, how is it for our people to act? Who are my people and how do my people act? Who are my people? This Hesed community where we love each other. And how do we act? We act with Hesed. We love each other. We move toward each other. How's your suspended disbelief going yet? When we started this series, uh, we took a survey. And there's two questions I just want to remind you of from the survey. I said, hey, how true are these statements for you? Is it true that we speak about how this place has changed our lives for the better? Do you often say that? Is that often true for you? We speak about how this place has changed our lives for the better. How about this one? Is it true for you that I expect people here will say kind things about my weakness? I expect that when I pull back the curtain and I say, I struggle with this, people will say, thank you for the vulnerability. I love you. I'm here for you. I'm not going anywhere because you were honest. I had a lot of people come up to me that were like, I scored a perfect score. And I was like, great. Like, that's fantastic. I had a lot of people come up to me and be like, you don't want to know my score. How do we change? How do we move from a place where it's like, man, I don't know if I can really share my weakness. I don't really know if this place really cares about transformation. How do we change? Hesed. Love. Again, that's tricky for us because love is meaningless. We've been disappointed by love. We say the word. We throw it around. I love you, man. No, you don't. I don't even know my name. But what would it look like for us as a church body to say, hey, this is core to our identity. We are a people of Hesed. We are not trying to just make deal friends. We're trying to make real friends. It produces growth. Look at what he says in verse 10. He says this, I pray that these bonds would multiply and grow. So the ones that are existing would grow, and ones that don't yet exist would multiply. What's going to happen? You will be able to discern what is best. Literally, you will be able to discern better things. That's progress. That's growth. When love is multiplied, growth is a natural outflow of that. When we focus on being, who are we becoming? Are we becoming people of love? You get way more done when you're just focused on what are we doing for Jesus. Love abounds so that we're able to discern what is best. What does that look like for a church? Right? Like we've talked about as a church family, we're trying to create these, these spaces. Of, like we want to create a space where we gather. That's this right now. We have connection groups where we're serving and then we're going out and blessing. What does that look like to be people who discern what's better? Let me tell you about what it looks like in our gathering. Somebody said this to me recently, and I, I take it as an awesome, God is doing amazing things. They came to my office and they said this. They said, I don't like your preaching. Okay? I also don't like the music here. Okay, keep going, yep. And I love this church. What do you mean? Because I look around the room, and as I'm struggling, like, what is this all about? I don't even really get this. I see it's moving people. And I see, like, man, God is in this place, and he's so good. And I'm just like, oh, that's Hesed. That is a high hesed person. They are willing to lay aside their preferences for liturgy or for worship style and say, it's helping these people I love, I love it. 
a beautiful experience I had back in college. We were at a church that was off Sunset Boulevard, and it was loud. It was rock and roll. It was crazy. And this old couple was there, and they'd be crying in the back all the time. And I was always like, like why? Do they hate it so much? They're crying? Or like, what's happening? And they were just like, it's so beautiful to see the next generation love Jesus. And I just love this. That's happening here. That's happening in our gatherings. That's a high Hesed community. The reason that happens, the reason that happens is because of who we are, identity. We have experienced the Hesed of God, where he's not saying to us, hey, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But he's saying, I'm the stronger one. I'll love the weaker one, expecting nothing in return. Because look, if God, if it, look, if it really, if our relationship with God really was pull yourself up by your bootstraps, get yourself worthy of my love, then I'll love you, is God a real friend or a deal friend? Maybe you've never thought about this. Look, if it really is pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you hear stayings like this all the time. God, I prayed. I tithed. I didn't blah, blah, blah. How come this thing happened? That is a transactional relationship with God. God, I held up my end of the bargain. Where were you? That's not Paul's, that's not Paul's Disney World. Look what he says. He pictures people who are progressing and growing, being filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. The, the beautiful things that get created in a high Hesed community, all that change and transformation comes through Jesus. This is Paul's way of saying what Jesus said to his disciples uh, on the night before he was killed in John 15. He says this, whoever abides in me, whoever creates a meaningful attachment to me, whoever bonds with me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We have a meaningful attachment to Jesus who loves us just because of his grace, his Hesed. And when we experience that, we give it to other people, not because they can do anything for us. And that creates a community of Hesed that bears fruit. And it's a fruit that comes through Jesus Christ. Look at, look at the, the rest of this verse, Philippians 1.11. It says this, to the glory and praise of God. The word glory uh, in Hebrew is kavod. And if something is kavod, it's heavy. It's weighty. When we love each other, just because. Not because we have common interests around politics, common interests around arts and entertainment, but when we love each other, just because. People feel the kavod of Jesus. They feel the weight of God. They come into this place and say, Jesus is king because his people live like he lives. He, John, 1 John, God is love. This place is a high Hesed community. There is belonging here. Kavod, weight, heaviness. What does is, what is a high Hesed look like in our connection groups? Imagine with me you've had a really hard day. You missed a deadline, your boss is really frustrated with you, and it, work is hard. And you're just looking forward to, well, you know what? Tonight, I've got my small group. 
I got my small group. I just get to hang out with those folks. They get me. We're going to have a good time. And so, you're, you know, you get through your day. You pull up into your small group leader's house. You head out the door. And the, you open the door to their house. And the first person who comes to you is that person. That annoying person who just attaches themselves to you and talk, 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 talk. And just like, okay, I, oh, okay I'm still here. Uh, okay, hey, it's been great catching up with you. You know what else is great? Hey, have you seen the second season of... No, but I don't need to now because you're just going to tell me everything about it. What does a high Hesed community look like there? Could, could a high Hesed community in that situation look like, hey, it's been, it's, I'm really glad you talked to me, and it's been great connecting with you. I need to go connect with other people. How is that a high-grace community? If we have a high-grace community, we're able to speak the truth because we know the relationship isn't at stake. We're able to be ourselves because we know we're not loved by a performance. And that's what Paul is saying in verse 10. He says this, he says, I want you to be sincere and blameless. Some of your translations say pure. It's the same on the inside as I am on the outside. I can be me here. Why? Because these people love me. And it's not because I'm so lovable. I have bad days. But I know that I can be me and the relationship isn't at stake. I expect people here will say kind things about my weakness. That creates a high Hesed community. What about when we serve? We can do the same thing in serving. Let's say you were signed up to serve this Sunday and you totally forgot. And you're walking into church and you're walking by somebody, a volunteer coordinator, and you're like, oh no, I forgot I'm serving today. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to totally pretend I don't even know what serving is. I'm going to just ignore the tension and say, hey, good to see you. That's not a high Hesed community. A high Hesed community can say, oh my gosh, I didn't serve today. Well, what happened? Did your uncle die? No, I just totally forgot. Man. And both people can then be honest. Like, hey, that's disappointing. Yeah, I get that. And the relationship isn't at stake. High Hesed people. And you know what's happened in that moment? Transformation. We moved away from our old way of doing things. Just pretend there's no problem. I'm from the Midwest. There are no problems. All right, I'm a New Englander who's lived in the Midwest long enough to know y'all hate conflict. How do I know that? I have never, not once, had anyone honk their horn at me when I'm driving. I honk my horn at people almost every day. I believe in healthy correction. It is not reciprocated. Stepping out onto a risk and saying, hey, we can do healthy correction because the relationship isn't at stake. Anybody else sweating like a pig in here? Speaking of pigs, speaking of pigs, we're really excited to announce this. So we, we remember the three spaces we talk about, our gathering, we connect, we serve, and then we bless. That bless is, hey, the love that we experience here pours out into the community. We have a really beautiful thing that happened to our church family that I'm really excited to share with you that's taking place over the next four weeks. Uh, so someone in our church has been worried for a really long time about inflation and the economy. And they're really concerned, like, man, I really think a lot of Compass folks are having a hard time stretching their budget. And so we were talking about this. And it's actually really funny because I was like, 
It was just a hilarious misunderstanding with a person. I was like, hey, these are, you're coming to me with great ideas. We need something that's scalable. And so they're, okay. And what I thought I was saying is like, we just need to make sure everyone can do this. What they heard me saying is, I need to think bigger. And so they came back with this massive idea. And I, it's like totally amazing just how God is providing this. So they were sharing their concerns. Like, hey, there's lots of people struggling with uh, friends that they've made in the Amish community. I don't know if you've spent any time around the Amish community, but it's not, uh, it, it's not the Silicon Valley, okay? There's, it, there's not like a, a ton of people just overdosing on money, all right? There's people, real people working really hard and just surviving. And so a farmer said, hey, I'm really, man, it makes me sad that people are struggling. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna donate a ton of meat so you can help people stretch their budgets so they don't have to pay for all this meat. So they donated a cow, a pig, uh, turkeys, chickens, tons of stuff. So over the next four weeks, we're calling this movement that we're doing Pigs in a Blessing. And so the hope that what we're going to do, we have 320 pounds of pork. And here's, here's what's happening. We want to get rid of all of it in the next four weeks. And how are we going to get rid of it? Take one, give one. So... We want you to take some pork for you, all right? For you. We also want you to take some pork and give it to your neighbor, all right? So we want, we want to be a high hested people where we're experiencing care, love, and grace, and then we want that to pour out into the community. And so with this pork, saying take one, experience, yeah. Because here's the thing that we've experienced with this. A lot of folks who are struggling right now with finances we don't admit that, right? So it's like, so even if a lot of us are struggling, it's like, hey, we have this for you. And it's like, oh yeah, I can give that to somebody else. Somebody else is really struggling. It's like, no, no, this is for you. This was given from some, by someone who has the, the heart's desire to help you stretch your budget. And so what we want to do is say, hey, look, we don't want to turn this into, if anybody's going back there, it's like, oh, we're the needy folks. We're all going to do this. So you may be saying like, I have, I have, I'm not struggling right now take pork because what's going to happen is we'll see you doing that and those of us who are struggling can say, okay, okay, we're good here. We're good. I can take this and it's not a shame thing. So please take this. It's 320 pounds of pork that we have four weeks to get rid of. So you literally need to bring home the bacon today from church. And again, I just want to remind you, this is not donated by someone who has a lot. Isn't that Hesed? Doesn't that, like, mirror back? Like, it's just amazing. Not trying to get anything in return. We may not ever meet this person. But they, they heard about a need and they were moved. What's a way to honor that? To receive. Okay, I receive. And in taking that meat, you're, you're starting to understand what a Hesed community is. You can experience transformation by taking some pork home today. My timer is going off, which means that your suspended disbelief time is up. So we're gonna, we're gonna, as we come back into reality, I just want to say, like, hey, I get it. High Hesed church communities are rare. They are. I've been hurt by church. I've had people say wildly hurtful things to me in church. I've been hurt by Sunday school teachers when I was a child. They said, this is how you honor God. And those ideas got lodged in my head, and, and I just kept operating like that. I've also got food poisoning from eating out. 
I've also been to sporting event games where I've seen grown adults behave in ways that were probably illegal and definitely discouraging and definitely scary. But you know what? I still go out to restaurants. I still go to baseball games. Just because there's weeds in the garden doesn't mean we need to grab concrete and pour over the garden. This place will disappoint you. This place will hurt you. And the only way out is through hesed, love, a high hesed community. Because we're not gonna pave over the garden because there's still beauty. Father, Father, I pray as we seek to bless our neighbors. Father, I pray as we seek to be a high hesed people that people would feel the weight of Jesus. You are in this place. You are moving. God, I pray we would have more Emmanuel moments, God with us moments, that you have attached yourself to us and you're not going anywhere. God, for those of us who are struggling with our disbelief, God, I pray that our prayer would be just what uh, the disciple prayed to you. I believe. Help my unbelief. That's all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This podcast is part of the ministry of Compass Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, please check out compasscfc.com.